this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. And so, you know, the message today we're in Genesis 12.1. And I need to see where I stop at. make sure that you guys understand that this message is very impactful. It should, if you embrace it, change your life. And so, I'm going to sit down. Sorry. Whenever you're ready. Every Sunday, I come with the intent to create an atmosphere for God. And so even now, before I start the message, the simple is praying. And I ask that it be led not by me, but by you, Holy Spirit, as I surrender and I look to you for the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to guide your people. And so today, as I open the message, I am, I pray, even now, Lord, as this message goes forward, that the people that are gathered here in who shall listen to this message, or is listening in on this message, they shall understand who they are in you, and everything that has been set forth for their destruction that they leave behind in Christ Jesus' name. I pray that their leadership ability come forward this day and they mount up in who they are and they become who you call them to be. In Christ Jesus' name, I pray. And so, as I begin to look at this particular message that I have today, I kept saying, Lord, how do I do it? How do I teach it? How do I even begin to walk in what he literally was bringing to my attention? And as I begin to look at Genesis, I recognize that there has to be a shifting and a movement of the body of Christ. And it's not just a shifting and movement of the body of Christ. It is a shifting and moving of you in all aspects of your flesh. And when I say in all aspects of your flesh, I'm going to go through a series of things with the hope that each one of you guys see what the Lord is basically saying 
and you begin to see based on the examples I will share with you how you need to move out of that place where you've been. And so there was so much that he brought forth that I had to keep going over it and keep going over it because it was dealing with me and it really allowed me to see myself but also understand what God was literally telling me that I needed to now take flight in. And Lance, I asked, you know, if all possible, can I use you? Uh, I'll start by talking about a baby that I encountered and his mom, but more so the baby. You know, uh, this little boy came into my life and I don't even think he was six months old. I heard of him way before he came over to LA and took resident in my house for a little while. And this child was different in so many ways. And what I could see in this child compared to my own child, so I had a daughter who was the same age as he is, and when I say the same age as he is, they're different by a few days, okay? And when I say different by a few days, it not much. And so I watched these two little kids grow up alongside of each other, but always looking at this young man to be, and not understanding why he was in my presence, but knowing so much that I had to influence him for something greater. And so every time this kid would cry out as a result of something that was going on in his own proximity, meaning his home, the Lord sometimes would ask that I go in and help him out. Be that partner, be that leader, be that person. Not saying that the parent couldn't lead, but he was just basically saying, come in with a different perspective with the hopes of opening this child's eyes so that the child can recognize who he is and not only who he is, but also that he was chosen for something greater. And I think in many cases, we fail to understand sometimes why God puts certain individuals in your life and you don't know why that you end up with two parents or three parents or somebody that's there to look alongside of you or to watch you. And so as I began to look at his life, God just kept saying to me, he's a leader among leaders. Help him to see that he's a leader among leaders. He said, teach him not to conform to the standards of the world, but to conform to me. It was a point in time where Lance learned to hear the voice of God. And as he began to rely upon the voice of God, his mother began to tap into the relationship that he had with the Lord. And he began to soar in the things of God. 
not saying that he was perfect, and I want to make sure I say that, not saying he was perfect in any shape or fashion, but I was thrilled to know that, oh my God, he can hear alongside of my children, and I make, you know, somewhat of an impact on his life. But as we know, we grow, we mature, and then we begin to transform into what we believe that we should be and not necessarily stay in a place where we're clinging to God. What I loved about his mom, she made him read his Bible. She literally had Bible time for her son and I thought that was great because I didn't have it for my own children. She had Bible time for him and he would have to read the Bible and I know he probably fought it or whatever the case may be, but I know on the inside of this gentleman today he has so much of Christ if he would tap into it and he would not be the same person. So just getting you to see him, but I want to basically not only get you guys to see him, but I want you guys to stop and now look at what God is basically saying in this scripture. Because I think if you can see him, and I'll share me, you can then see what God is trying to get us to begin to rise up into. We all have been saying that, hey, we're living in the heavenly dimensions and we're operating from that standpoint and we're no longer operating from the earthly place in which we've been residing. But that's not necessarily true. And the main reason why it's not true, because we still cling to this earth. And we still cling to family. And we still cling to our birthplaces. And not only our birthplaces, but we still cling to our land. And I really want you guys to understand. So I gave a nice, nice overview of Lance because as I was looking at this particular message he kept popping in my head and I was trying to get away from him but as God began to share this message with me he allowed me to constantly look at this child but let's go into the message and read it and then I'll back you guys up to the place I need you so I'm reading Genesis 12 verse 1 through 4 the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 20, 25 years old when he set out from Haran. Okay, so we got to hear the story. So let's slow it down and let's go back and read it again. And I'm gonna stop you because I need to get you guys to see something. Verse one, the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country. That's one, right? He said, leave your country. What's the second? Your people. Leave your people. And what's the third? And your father's household. And the third is your father's household. So the land is basically the first. Your birthplace is your second. 
and your father's house is the third place that God is basically saying. And so as I begin to look at the land and really examine what God was saying, it is the standard in culture in time and place in where you live. It's the standard, the culture, and time and place of where you live. And so when I began to look at the standard and culture and time and place of where I lived, this is the land. I grew up in South Central. And the standard that's placed on South Central is a negative standard. And this negative standard I've been living under all my life. And I've been fighting things that I have no authority to fight because it's the land. And when I say I have no authority to fight, because I never knew I was fighting it. I never knew that I had to leave that standard that was over me. And that standard of a land is considered to be polished. And many of you guys are under that standard. And when I look at that polished standard, it literally speaks to you as in a place that it cripples you to some extent. And what I mean by that standard of the land is literally saying, if you walk into establishment, that you're not good enough. And the Lord began to talk to me about that standard that's been over me. I'll share more as we go forward. The next one is birthplace, right? Wow. When I began to look at that in my own life and birthplace, First of all, I have the struggle of my parents that I haven't been able to get over. Hopefully you hear me, Lance. I have the struggle of my parents that I haven't been able to get over. My parents wasn't married. And it was made known by my friends that your parents wasn't married. Where's your father? You know how the young kids say to you, well, where's your dad? Where's your dad in your life? And if your dad wasn't present and or mother wasn't present, they think something's wrong with it. So number one, I had to overcome or attempt to overcome that standard. Something funny that even made it even worse than anything I can imagine in my own life. Even worse than anything I can imagine in my own life. Can we open that back? So, open the back door so that, yeah. And when I say that, it is so important that you guys hear. So number one, my parents not being married. My mom changed relationships often. And so kids at school would literally say to me along the lines of, who's your daddy today? Do you get it? And I have to live under that standard. And, and being raised under that standard was very difficult. And so the second thing the Lord said to me, you must leave the influences of your friends and neighborhood 
where in which you lived. And they had a great influence upon me because I believe what the young kid said to me. Wow, you don't have a daddy. Wow, your mom is this. And understanding that, I yearned for a completeness of family. And it has caused me to really begin to walk in places where I feel like I'm lacking. Hopefully you guys hear me. Mm -hmm. So I still have that ability to not stand up because I always feel like I'm missing something. Like I did not get everything that I was supposed to have as a child. And so the Lord was saying to me in this particular place, the pressure and expectation is what really hinders me. And that pressure and that expectation to stand up in this particular area that I had no authority over. You know, I didn't pick my parents, okay? I didn't know I was gonna come here and my parents wasn't gonna be married. I didn't know that my mother was going to be somewhat of an orphan as a child. Her parents died giving birth and her father ran off and married somebody else. So she was alone. Her 13-year-old sister chose to raise her. And so not having the ability to stand up as a parent, how can a 13-year-old kid raise another baby? Because the grandparent ended up passing away and they were left alone. But all of that still resides on the inside of me. And so my birthplace makes me sometimes believe that I'm not entitled. It causes me not to stand up in places, not to be able to really see the sonship relationship that I have with God. Not only that, but the land in which I came from. Today, it's even worse than where it was when I. And so I always have to say, it wasn't called South Central then, but today it is called South Central. And anybody that you share with and you tell them that you came from this particular part of LA, the first thing they automatically is label you in a negative way. And that label is something that we've been embracing. Sometimes we find ourselves fearful to even say where we came from. As if we have not been able to overcome in these particular areas, we stand in a place as if we're less than. And so the Lord was literally making absolutely sure that we understood the importance of not being in that place. And that place is whereby we fall short. Open the door for her. Just open the door. Leave it open so she won't leave because she needs to hear it. Okay? You guys understand that, right? And so it's so important that you guys understand what God is basically speaking to each and every one of us. We gotta really begin to deal with what's dealing with us and in the place that we deal with what's dealing with us, 
we have to be overcomers. We cannot be in this particular place where we're allowing these things to still hold us captive. And so as I began to look at my land, and I was really asking God for understanding when I began to look at the land, the Lord said to me, and I'll ask him to bring to my remembrance what is the hindrance in my life today regarding the land. He said, talk to me about not seeing myself as good enough. Constantly fighting. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm in that place where I'm constantly fighting, even to some extent that people have literally said, oh, well, you're ghetto. I'm fighting even that mantle that people, rather that label people have placed over me. Why can't I just be someone that stands strong? Why do I have to be someone that is ghetto? So the Lord even told me also about the land. That land doesn't come with acceptance. Do you not see that, Tim? It's not acceptance with it. You're fighting to be accepted. You feel like you have to do much more in order to be accepted. Oh, it really makes you stop to really look. And when you feel like you gotta do more, you're constantly in that place where you're trying to prove yourself. So you're constantly in the place that you're trying to prove yourself to say, I am better, I am better. And so then he took me more into birthplace. And then when I began to look at my birthplace, which is how I see myself, I'm supposed to be seen after the spirit. But a lot of times, I'm in battle with my flesh. I'm not really seen after the spirit. I'm really seen after my flesh. You are this type of person. You are that type of person. And that really causes problems for me. And the Lord literally said, you have to leave the mindset of your birthplace because the birthplace brings limitation. You have to leave the mindset of your land because it allows you to really inhabit your flesh. And as he was speaking to me, he kept making absolutely sure that I understood that there had to be a shifting and changing of my vessel. Land, again, I want to make sure you understand, it's the standard and the culture of time and place and where you live. It's the standard and culture. Look at the standards and culture of the time and place in which you lived. And then birthplace. It is you're leaving the influence of your friends and neighbors and where you live. This includes how they see you. How you're being seen by others. You are not seen after the flesh, but you're after the spirit. 
Therefore, your mindset must be on a spiritual birthplace and not earthy. We continue to focus on our earthly birthplace and not our spiritual birthplace. And then when he began to say, leave your father, this is what really got me. In leaving your father, it is what has shaped you in your upbringing. It is a place where it shaped you negatively. So if your parents and you were contending with stuff within your own home, it shaped you negatively. It's a scarring of your flesh. And that scarring of your flesh causes you to constantly look back at that. And that's where you're not able to stand up and mount up in who you really are. Because you think about all the scars that you had. And when I say the simple scars, some of the scars even can look at where, you know, you were as a child expected to look this way or that way and the punishment or whatever you had to go through really scarred you. When you looked at yourself compared to your peers, you never understood that, hey, Lord, why did I got to have this always taken from me? Why this never was in right setting with me? It literally scarred us in some fashion or in some way. I remember as in my mother's house, I was considered to be the rebellious child. And I never understood why I was a rebellious child. I was considered to be rebellious because I spoke up. I didn't agree with some of the things that was in the household and because I didn't agree with some of the things that was in the household, I spoke up. And in that place where I spoke up, I was considered to be the negative. And because I did not want to be negative in my life today, I don't speak up. When I know something should be, I tend to overlook it because the last thing you want to be seen for someone that goes against the grain, and that's who we are. We're supposed to go against the grain. But today's environment says, oh no, don't go against the grain. Really stay in that place where you come along. I was watching TikTok of one of the actual, I can't know if it was TikTok or Instagram, but it was so funny that I stopped to look at it. It could have been even LinkedIn. I don't know which one. It was one of the three. But I was watching this particular video that was on this particular uh, website. And what happened was, what they did was they staged an environment. And I really want you guys to hear this. They staged an environment. They had probably about seven or eight people in the room. But they told the eight people in the room is every single time you hear this beep, you stand up. And then they brought somebody in the room for an appointment. And this individual girl walks into the room and she sees that every single time that beeping went on, everybody in the room stood up. First she kept staring at it, looking at it, and then finally she began to conform to what she seen everybody else doing. And so if they stood up every time it beeped and somebody went into the waiting room, she stood up. And 
until everybody in the room left. And then she was the only one in the room and the beeping kept going back and forth and she kept standing up. We are made to conform to our environment. And this is why the Lord is literally telling us that we have to leave these places. Because some of us are practicing some of the stuff that we don't even know that we've been required to do. It's something that's been put in front of us and we've been following and still today we're following it. The Lord began to talk to me about being raised in a polished mentality. When you have a polished mentality, when you mature, the first thing you do is it becomes a me environment. Everything that you own is about you. You're not willing to share with anybody. It's all about you. It's about what you have, what's going to make you look better, what's going to do best for you. It's not a giving mentality. You're going to give the bare minimum because you're always operating from a place of lack. You will not bless others or even sow into somebody else's life or even in the kingdom. You're going to give God your bare minimum as well because in that place, you are operating from a polished stand. And if you don't change that, you stay in that all your life. So the Lord then began to talk to me about me. As a kid, this is what really rocked me in this message. As a kid, I grew up in a impoverished environment. My mom would give us somewhat of allowance, which 25 cents was big money then. And we could buy anything that we wanted because most things were very, very cheap. If I say this, Lance, a cupcake would cost, you know, five cents, you know, and it was cheap. Candy was more like penny candy and you could get two, three, or five. So that's the environment that I grew up in. And so my mom would let us go to the store probably once a week, I don't recall how often, but we would go to the store. And a lot of times when she would send us to the store, she would let us go when she was in that generous mood, okay? That means you could do anything, and especially we were smart enough to know if my parents had company, we'd go ask for money from the parents or whomever, and they would give us money just to get the kids out of the way, okay? It was just a thing that you do. They had company get money, okay? And so we would all go to the store and we would buy stuff. My sisters and brothers would buy the bigger things. I was the individual that bought the smaller things that last longer. And in that place, I would take all the stuff that I would buy because I would buy so many, remember, 25, I get 25, a whole bunch of stuff, okay? Some things were two cents and you can get big things and have plenty inside the box. So I was smart enough to get stuff. And I would save it to bedtime, eat a little bit and save it to bedtime. And then my siblings would not have anything and we would be all in that place where we were hungry. And I would pull out this bag of goodies. And I felt like I was the greatest within my house because I had this bag of goodies. But the Lord showed me in my poverty way of looking. I'm always giving out. 
of my resources. Because I'm assuming people are lacking. But what he corrected me on today, he said they had their resource and they chose to do something different. You are not responsible for someone that takes the same resource that you got and they choose to do something different with it and not preserve it for the future. So in return, they're using your resource and they use theirs according to what they desire. You're not helping them. You are allowing them to stay in a poverty mentality. Do you get it? I'm not helping them succeed. In essence, I'm crippling them even more because what they do is take all of what they have and hoard it. And they're unwilling to share it. And so if I give my resource, they think they mount it up. They think that they achieved a greater goal. In essence, they're putting themselves in greater bondage. Wow. Made me stop to really look. And he says, and you've always operated from that point. What he's literally saying to me, which really rocked me, was you don't believe that what I give you, you're entitled to. So what you do in return, you push it off on everybody else and you don't accept what I've offered you. And he said, do not you see that I desire to store up treasures in your household? And, and, and many of us are just like me. Lord, I don't need nothing. I'm okay. I don't need nothing. I'm okay. The Lord says, you don't know what your future looks like. Hear me? You don't know what your future looks like. So we need to get out of that place. And those of you that operate from that other standpoint, you will always be chasing a dime, a dollar, or whatever. Because you have not grown up to understand it's not about your past. It's about what God's trying to bring you into. You will continue to be held in bondage in that area. And it's because of how you see it. So your land has caused you to remain in bondage. And so as I began to look at all of this, it literally rocked me. And it walked me to the extent to whereby even in this place, in this house, I was like, okay, Lord, if we could just get to the place where all of us are together and we are all in the same place and we're just praising you, I know what's in this room is going to flow out to the outside of this room and we're going to impact homes after homes after homes with, the, with your spirit. He said, you miss it again. Let's go back to the land. He said, you must understand something about the land. If you can't stand, how do you impact something else? How do you change something? 
when you are a part of it. He said, I created you to be leaders. Abraham was called out of the place because he had leadership ability. He wasn't a prophet, wasn't a pastor, wasn't a teacher, wasn't an evangelist, wasn't any of the fivefold ministry. He was a leader. And he was to lead nations. Every single one of us are called leaders. And we're called to lead in the places in which we're in. But what has hindered us from leading is these three things. And that's our land, our birthplace, and our father's house. I can talk so much about our father's house because I think many of you guys understand and the father's house has crippled you. Because many of us try to be like others. Do you guys get it? We try to conform to what others. If our parents says, oh, you don't have enough of this going on, then we try to change and conform to that. You know, you need to have more of this. We're trying to fix ourselves. Okay? Our father's house impacts us negatively. And it's a whole bunch of things that you see. So when I stop to look at my own father's house, I was born out of wedlock. And so in that particular time and season, that wasn't good. Today is more acceptable, but when I grew up, it wasn't acceptable. And so there were families, and I was not in one of these family groups. And so being a kid at school, I was teased all the time. But understanding that and really looking at that, I can't recall even to the extent to whereby I didn't feel like I fit in. Not only did I not feel like I fit in, I spent my childhood trying to find a father. I even one day went to school, got one of my teachers that I highly respected, and I brought him home for dinner for my mom. Because I literally said, Mom, if you can marry a type of guy like this, it would make me look better among my peers. Don't you get it? And then when my mom rejected it, or better yet, I found out he was just like the other one she was bringing home. I was very disappointed. Because this gentleman came to take instead of giving to the family. He borrowed from her. And I'm like, wait a minute, you got seven kids and you're borrowing from my mom. I, my mom had seven kids and you're borrowing. I thought he would be a added value, but he ended up being the same. And so understanding that, I'm still in the, today's environment looking for that father sometime. Looking for that embrace. And the Lord is constantly calling me into that place where I'm in the sonship relationship. But my flesh keeps looking for a human figure. 
And even though my father existed in my life, he wasn't a daddy to the extent that I expected him to be. I wanted my daddy to look like your daddy's. The one that played with you, took you places, you know, and everything you can possibly think of. My daddy had an issue with alcohol. And he struggled with it all days of his life. I looked for my dad to say, hey, ma, hey, daughter. He never called me daughter. But yet he knew I was his daughter. Does that make sense? Never called me daughter, but yet he knew I was his daughter. He also said to me in his dying days, I knew you would be the only one out of my children that would be around. Because I was able to look past where he was and try to help him in that place. Because I needed a father. In that particular place, that still, that my father is gone home, I'm still looking for that father. Do you not see what God is trying to get you understand? That has shaped us. And so if I'm yearning and I'm still looking for something, it's shaping me for the negative. And when women look for father, they look for fathers and men. Don't you get it? They're looking for a manly-like father. And so that means they never, ever come to the place to whereby they feel accepted by their dad. And so they have relationships with men. That's what my mom had. Relationship with a host of men because there was no father figure in her life. Hopefully you guys get what God is trying to show you and trying to get you to come to a place and really understand what he's trying to get you to see. And so as I was looking at this particular passage and really understanding what God was saying, he kept saying to me, it's time for change. He said, it's time for you to let go of what's crippling you. He said to come out of the place where you're held captive by your land. To come out of the place where you held captive by your birthplace. To come out of the place where you held captive about your father's house. Now don't get me wrong, I had daddies in my life, okay? I even had friends who had daddies in their life and I thought their lives were going to be better because there was a mother and father in the house but you can have a mother or father in the house and the parent are totally absent in your house. So don't get me wrong because there was household that I became uh, familiar with and I'll say it like that. When there were a household that had consistencies in it, I made sure that I was friends of these individuals. And in that, I showed up at their dinner table and I expected the things in their life to be the best of the best. But I recognized there were still struggles there. There was still division there. There were still things that wasn't right in the household. 
even as a parent today, there were still struggles in my relationship. There were still struggles in the household that I presented to my children. And the main reason, because none of us are perfect. But when God literally told Abraham to leave these things, he wanted him to leave it and to really, truly embrace what was being offered to him by the Father. A better way. A better way. And many of us still trying to find our way in a broken system. We're still trying to be people clinging to a broken system. And in this place where we're trying to cling to something that's broken, we're losing sight of who we are spiritually. And so the Lord was saying to me today that in order for us to get to the place that we're desiring, we're going to have to let go of the things of our past. And in letting go of the things of our past is even the false expectations of these particular places placed on us. And get into the place where God truly desires for each one of us. I'm not saying that any parent has to be perfect. That's not it. I'm not saying to look at your parents and say, oh my God, they could have done a better job. They did the best job of what they had. And my parents did the best job of what they had. I remember as a young adult being totally upset because I was eavesdropping on one of my father's conversation while I was in his house. And as I was eavesdropping on the conversation, he literally was talking to his family member and saying, hey, Kathy is here over my house again. And to me, why would you call me Kathy? I'm your daughter. Say, my daughter is here, right? You would think that what he would say, hey, my daughter came over to visit me. Wow, I'm so happy to see her and her children and her husband. But he didn't say. He said Kathy. And I got so offended by the conversation that I said, I'm done with this. I will never come to see this man again. Better yet, I don't even know if he's my dad. That's what I said to myself. As I was walking out of the house with my feet in my, on the ground, never to look back at this house again and never to embark upon this man that was supposed to be my dad. The Holy Spirit said to me, you're looking for this individual to give you something that he does not possess. He can't embrace you because he can't even embrace himself. He is moved by the choices that he has made in his life. And one of the choices is you are here. He said, as you begin to look at his life, you don't know his struggle. And so therefore I ask that you don't judge him, but that you go back and you submit as a daughter. I said, no way, no way. 
I ain't going back there. He said, everything you're desiring this man to, to be, you need to be to him in order for him to become what he needs to be. And I created that on the inside of you. So go back and submit. Be the best daughter you can be. The next day I showed up, I went back. But I had no clue that God had me there for a greater plan, much greater than I could ever imagine. My dad began to get weak in his health. Not only did he become weak in his health, my uncle, who was in the house that lived with him, was also an individual that was struggling because they both had broken relationships. And in that place, I offered Christ to my dad and my uncle. And so the Lord literally taught me in that particular state of my life, it was not about what they possessed because he had raised me to be better than that. It was what I could offer them. And that was Christ Jesus. God was at that particular point in my life trying to teach me to rise above what was placed on me and to stand in the heavenly realms of what he was calling me into. And that was that leadership. I was looking for my dad to be the dad to lead me. Do you get it? Because everybody had a daddy that was leading. And then to find out, as a leader, I was required to lead him into heaven. Many of you guys are looking for something from these particular places either your land, your birthplace, or your parents, and you're holding them in this place of captivity because you're desiring something from them. And the Lord is literally saying, it's not something from them, it's something that you have to give to them. And in that place, it is the freedom that you walk in. And being that leader, I didn't realize I was called into greater things. I don't feel like a leader. I didn't look like a leader. But yet I am. And yet you are. And so the Lord was literally trying to make sure that I understood in order for me to really carry the message is that I had to get from underneath the things that was hindering me. Yeah. And he's talking to you even now to get from underneath the things that are hindering you. If you think about when it comes to what shapes you in your household, 
many of us been shaped negatively. And some of us are still underneath what somebody else has said about us. And we're still trying to atone for these particular things. Hopefully you guys get me. You're still trying to make things right for the things in which you fell short. Word of God says that all men has fallen short of the glory of God. So that means all of us are imperfect. And some of us are still in this place trying to be perfect people in order to please some other individual. I'm going to tell you now, you're not going to be perfect. Because he is the only perfect one. But you must deal with the things that are dealing with you in order to become what God wants you to become. There's not a person in this room is not a leader. You may not feel like, look like a leader, but you are a leader. You may not even be respected as a leader, but that doesn't exclude you from the leadership that God has called you into. And in order to embrace that leadership, you must embrace Christ. Embrace him in his fullness. And not be in that particular place where you're constantly trying to atone for your past. Half of the things that I'm atoning for wasn't my problem. Wasn't my problem. Born out of wetlock, that wasn't my problem. But yet I'm trying to atone for it. Trying to overcome still in the place where God has already redeemed me from. Hopefully you guys hear what he's saying. And so if I'm called into that leadership, I must embrace what I'm called to do. I cannot be in that place where I still feel like I'm Lot. One thing I would say to you that Lot chose, he chose the better part of the land, thinking that it was the best of the best, but he chose out of his flesh. And many of us are trying to find the better part of the land. There's no better part of the land, you guys. Christ is the greatness. Amen. And all the greatness that you need. As I was looking at this particular message, Lot was brought in to a promise. But even being grafted in, he still wasn't fully in. And many of us was brought into the promise. And some of us still have half of our body outside of what God is calling. Because we're still trying to stand up in these places. We're still trying to be individuals that stands up in these places. Stop trying to stand up. That's not where God's calling you. He's calling you into the heavenly realms, the heavenly places where you have the ability to flow freely in the things in which he is destined for you to do. He said, and when you come into the place, you can't keep looking back. You got to fully come into what God's calling you to do. And in that place where he's calling you, you've got to stand up. So as I was looking at this message, it really began to rock me because he was literally saying, as a leader, 
I've been trying to shave off the past. And the more I shave, the more you cling. And he says as if it is something that has benefited you. He says the day I'm asking that each one of you come forth and stand as a leader. No longer clinging to the things of your past, but recognizing that you're destined for something greater. It's bigger than what you see. It's bigger than what you see. And as you believe that God is doing something greater, let go. I didn't understand why Abraham is who he is today. Many people call him father of nations. And the reason why he's called father of nations because God built in him a leadership ability. Not only was uh, Abraham a leader of many, but Sarah, his wife, was too. And that leadership anointing is what God is offering you today. In that place where they became leaders, and you have to understand, you gotta look at Abraham's past. He didn't grow up in this beautiful place. He struggled just like we struggle today. But he recognized that he was destined for something better. And God is trying to get you to realize that you're destined for something better. And so in that, he's trying to change your mindset regarding how you see yourself. So I go back to this little kid. Last again, and I'm saying, Lord, I don't know why, but I find myself in love with this little kid. I can remember some of the crazy things that my daughter did. But in looking at this little boy, always was so submissive. Always. And it caught my attention. And God is trying to now catch all of our attention. To believe for something greater. And stop literally embracing the negative things that our land offers, that our birthplace offers, and that our fathers offer to us. You created for much more. And so today, I invite each and every one of you to take on the leadership anointing that Abraham and Sarah had. They led nations. Still today, we follow after them. They are our forefathers of faith. And God is looking for us to stand up and become the leaders as well. And so that means coming all the way into who you've been called to be. And shunning this world. And what he means by that, you can't have a foot in this world and a foot in heaven. 
And so what I'm saying to you, because many of us, I keep saying in message after message, what dimension we operate? Fourth dimension. But you're living in the third because of these particular places. And so you have to really begin to look at where you've been walking. Because I know what makes me look like I'm not that leader. I'll be in a room with a whole bunch of leaders, especially at work, and I look to them to be the solutioners. And the main reason why I look to them to be the solutioners is because I look at education, I look at how many years they've been with the organization and all of that, and the Lord said, but I placed you here. So it's not about their education, it's not about how long they've been in that particular position. It's about what I called you to do. Yes. Don't you get it? We're looking for others to lead when we are leaders. You are looking for others to pave the way when we are the ones that God is calling to pave the way for everybody else. Wow. And so many of you have been looking at, oh, this gifting, that gifting, or this gifting, or whatever the case may be. Abraham didn't have no gifts. But he knew he was a leader. Will you guys brace the leadership in you today? That's what God is calling for each and every one of you to embrace the leader. And some of you have been running from it for a long time. But it doesn't change. You're still that leader. It doesn't change. You're still called by God. Oh. And some of you guys have been embracing your past. Because when he really broke that down to me, and he really made me to see what I was in my household, I thought I was this super sister. I would buy all this stuff and preserve the family. I'm still in that position where I'm trying to preserve people. That's not what God called me to do. He said they'll never ever grow up. They'll never ever become what they're supposed to if you're still in that place trying to do something. And some of you who, who are takers, you got to grow up. Because you will always be takers. You will never have a great storehouse because you only know how to take. Storehouses are big as a result of giving. Hopefully you guys know that. It's not about taking. It's about giving and freely giving. Because scripture says, as you freely give, you shall receive. So if you ain't receiving some of the things you desire, what does your giving look like? Where are you resting in these three places? Are you still tied to the land? Are you still tied to your birthplace? And your birthplace is crazy. I came from here. I came from this particular time. And, and, and if you're African-American, 
it takes you even back to some things that doesn't even have anything to do with you. It's stuff that your parents experienced and because what was in them has been transferred to you, you're operating under something that you never even experienced. I found myself, I don't know why the Holy Spirit is taking me here, but I found myself back in the old days when there were the movie called Roots. And they would play that movie quite often on TV. And I found myself being angry at the past. And then the Lord said to me one day, why are you so angry? He said, because if you're embracing that, you're allowing yourself to be in bondage. He said, it is meant to cause you to feel that way. It is meant to cause you to take a lower stand. He said, I need you to stop embracing what I am pulling the nations out of. And some of us are still embracing what God has pulled you out of. I know it sounds like I'm jumping all over the place, but I'm trying to make sure that you guys see what he's been showing me. This rocked me because it really spoke to me and it really allowed me to see where I'm still stuck. It allowed me to see when he said, he kept saying to me, come up here, come up here. And I'm like, come up where? Lord, I thought I was up there. And he kept saying, come up here, come up here. And, and, and I couldn't get it. Because he was saying, I want you to rise up in a better way of looking at things. And I kept saying, but I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know how to get over it. I don't know how to transition. And the reason I don't know how to look at it and don't know how to transition is because I believe it's right. When you embrace something for so long, you think it's right. There's been times where I've had dreams in my life that look like they real. And I believed them for so many years, I looked like they're real. I had one of them dreams this morning. And it was one of the craziest dreams that I recognized that it wasn't real. And it's probably the silliest dream as I share it with you guys, but I believed it was real. Billy knows me. Now, I've been afraid of mice forever forever and I've been afraid of mice because the neighborhood in which I lived in the house next door wasn't kept well and the mice would run all through our backyard they would get in our trash can and they would eat our leftovers now there were no mice in our house but because they were in the backyard and my mom would send us to the trash can and they would be partying in the backyard. I'll call it that way. <laughs> and in them partying in the backyard, I would have to go throw the trash out. And you know your parents don't care if you're scared. They believe that you need to get over it. So my mom would say, there's too much trash in the kitchen. Go in the backyard, because it was my job to put the trash in the trash can. 
I would peek, look in the backyard. You know how you do it. Peek, look in the backyard, see if something's there. And if you didn't see anything but there, you run and you dump it in the trash can and you run back and close the door. I was good at that. But one day, I didn't realize I left the lid on. Oh. And remember, we had the gray cans. We didn't have trash cans like today. So the gray can, the top was left open. Oh my goodness. I ran to the backyard, didn't see anything crawling on the ground, ran to dump, and they were inside the trash can. Oh my God. Mental breakdown. I had such a mental breakdown that I froze. And I was stuck in place. I could not move. In my mind, it was my worst nightmare. Now, now that I'm an adult, I still have that going on in me. I have dreams of that same torment. And it readily plays whenever it wants to play in me. And then the, the, today, I didn't understand why I had that. But the Lord said to me, today I'm moving you out of the torment of your past. When it comes to land, birthplace, and your father's house. So when it comes to the land, God, where I lived. Where it comes to the birthplace, how people see me. And when it came to my father's house, never feeling good enough. He said, today, I'm moving you from the trauma. Now, there was many trauma areas in my life. And when I say many traumas, I grew up in a household where my mom was abused. And so therefore, that same abuse was on the children. I grew up in that. I learned how to survive in that. But I didn't know till I heard this message. And hopefully I close with this. As a kid, I was always watching fights in the house, whether it was verbal or physical. I didn't stand for it. I was bold enough to pick up the phone and call the police because I knew it was something wrong. Even being in the second and third grade, I would cry out and call the police. They would show up and things would calm down. Being that young, I one day assessed my stepfather and I fully assessed him because my mom liked more, more of the slender, shorter men. They wasn't that tall. She liked slender, short men at the time. And I remember sitting probably about second or third grade, I don't know how old I was, but I began to assess this gentleman. I literally, no, I take it back. Holy Spirit reminds me I was probably in the fifth grade. I began to assess this gentleman and I realized that my mom was way bigger and taller than him. 
And so I began to have a conversation with her and I said, you know, you always told us to pick up something and knock the person out. Why don't you do the same? Now, this little kid telling an adult to do the same. My mom then decided back in the old days, there were telephones. She picked up the telephone and she hit him with the telephone. Remember the big old clunky telephone? Today, if you have one of them, it's like, oh, the heaviest thing of all. And she hit him and knocked out all his teeth, his front teeth. I celebrated because I thought that was a place of victory. But I had no clue that it was going to continue. Being the leader again, not knowing that I was a leader, hear what I'm saying. I continued to call the police every time something went wrong. And one day, I ended up calling the police and the guy left permanently because he was given a choice. If you stay, we take you to jail. So he chose not to stay and he left permanently. Now understand, he was mad and mad at me and he threatened my life. And he said, if I ever catch you walking home from school or whatever, I'm gonna jump out the car and I'm gonna beat you to death. That fear stayed in me for many years. I would be looking around. I can even recall he drove by me as a little kid and I'm walking home from school. I was a smack talker, talk big smack. Yeah, you come over here. I said, I'm not gonna be like my mom. I said, I'm going to make sure you go underneath the jailhouse. As a kid, that's what I told him. I was that bold. <laughs> and I'm sharing my life for a reason. As I began to stand up, the Lord said to me, as a kid, you went against the grain. I had seven, I mean six, seven, six other siblings in the house. None of them fought back. But I stood. He said, you were a leader then. And you're still the leader today. Hopefully you guys get it. You were a leader then. And you're a leader today. Some of you guys have the same similar stories. May not be abuse, but some of the same similar stories. You were leaders. And you have to stand up. Yes. You have to stand up and truly become the leader that you're supposed to be. Leaders are fearless. Mm -hmm. Leaders set the pace for others. Leaders are not afraid to do something different. And leaders mount up under difficult time. They say no. I'm not going to take this. No, this is not something I'm agreeing with. He calls you guys leaders. Leaders don't try to be a part of the group. Have you ever noticed even when you stand in and you want to be a part of it, you say, I don't feel like I'm like these people. Have you ever noticed? A leader don't try to be like other people. Every time you come close and you see what they're doing, you're like, I ain't doing that. That's how 
I recognized I was a leader. Because I'm like, I ain't doing that. And still today, when I see stuff, I'm like, I ain't agreeing with that. Even as a leader, I remember being in a group at work, but sometimes I see what they do, I'm like, Lord, I ain't doing that. I think Takiyah knows me because I'm like, I ain't doing that. I ain't, I ain't agreeing with that. Well, I don't agree with status quo. I go against the grain because I'm a leader. And you are too. So today's message today, God is looking for each and every one of you to embrace that leadership anointing that Sarah and Abraham had. They fought through the impossible. And God is literally causing you to really see that you're here to fight through the impossible. Wow. And how do we look at that? You know, Usha, as I look at you, you brought into your family a different way of serving a God. That's that leadership anointing. You're saying, wait a minute, I looked at my mom and dad's anointing where they're serving this other God. I don't agree with it. So I'm going to do something different. And I'm going to serve the true and living God. And I'm going to stand. And today your family is standing too. You've got to see. This is what leaders do. You've got to see yourself, precious. In that place as that dreamer, you're literally seeing things from a different point. You're saying, Lord, I want something better. I want something better for my children. And you're standing and fighting. We're all individuals that's going against the grain. Dominic, you know I know our past. And, and I know the Ramels. The Ramels name has always been a negative name. But you're standing to make it different. Amen. And you're going against the grain. And you've got to hear what God is saying to each one of you. Can we all stand? That's why the door can't be closed, because he comes to listen to the message. And that's what you guys want to say. What name is that? This is I don't care about it. Well, I'm going to open it. go over this real quick one more time. Land is the standard and culture and time and place in which you live. Think about the standard and culture and time and place in which you live. Birthright is the influence of friends and neighbors in which you live. It's not only the influence, but the pressure that comes with expectation. Okay? The pressure that comes with expectations. 
It also includes your commitment, what we are committed to do in that place in which we live. And then the last one, your father's house. is the deep shaping that brings scars. Think about all the scars. Because in my father's house, there was so many abuse. I grew up in an abusive family. And I'm totally scarred by that. And I surrender that today. When it comes to my birthplace, really looking at my birthplace, I ask God even to free me from that. And the land in which I live, I ask God to free me from that particular place. what God is saying to you and so in that place where this word has come forth and things popped into your mind based on what I share but take the time to look at where you've been and has on how it has shaped you and today surrender today surrender it. Can I have some music or something that could help me surrender that same song? Or something? And just put it down low. Usha. Usha. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. Yes, that's him. It don't matter. that the enemy has held you captive. I know there's been times in my life where I felt like I could never ever become what I desired. Like something was pressing and holding me down. Today I surrender it. 
Today I ask you to surrender the things that have been holding you. If it's that poverty spirit that's been on you as a result of not having things in your life, today surrender it. Even if it's that standard that you had to feel like you were perfect. You had to be perfect children in order not to get in trouble. Surrender that. Even feeling as if you fail, the Lord says surrender that. this mean but he said worry that you will be found out for who you really are he says surrender that Surrender it now and let God begin to move in your life. And what I mean by that is some of the places that we walked, self-fulfillment, self-gratification, because of a lack in your life, surrender it. Even being told that you would amount up to nothing, surrender that. Even the words that you heard as a child that was spoken over you that was negatively, surrender that. And it's not just as a child, but even as an adult, words that have been spoken to you, surrender it. And surrender the fact that the enemy tried to contain you in your flesh. Surrender that today as well. Because we're no longer trying to remain in our flesh, but we want to operate from the spiritual realm. said, as you surrender, I want you to surrender your ideas. And some of your ideas are negative. Surrender them. He said, also surrender the words that you've been speaking over yourself when things don't come to pass. He said, surrender that. You guys know what we do, right? I'm not good enough. I'm not this. Surrender these words that you've been speaking over you. And in that place, as you surrender, come on, step all the way into your spiritual man and really begin to embrace the leadership that's on the inside of you. 
and declare over your vessel that I am a leader. I am chosen by God to carry his word to the nations. I am a leader. I am chosen by God to carry his word to the nations. And Lord, as I am chosen by you to carry the word to the leader, to the nations, I don't have to be perfect. So I release what I've been trying to do over myself, and that is try to be that perfect man or woman. So even in that place where you're surrendering, you're saying, Lord, have your way in me. Have your way in me. And even as you lift up your hands unto the heavens and truly allow God to come into this place, Lord, wash and cleanse your people. Wash and cleanse your people. Let your word wash and cleanse them. Let your words begin to shape them in your righteousness. So they're no longer trying to protect themselves from their past, but really stand in you. That they're no longer justified, but they are free in you. And when I say justified, they're in that place that they're trying to justify where they came from. But they're in that place where you are actually leading them. Come all the way in. Come all the way in. Embrace the leadership that's in you. Come on. Embrace the leadership. All of you guys are leaders. You are leaders for God. Come all the way in. Step into your leadership. And as you step into your leadership, let the Lord begin to impart that leadership mantle over you. So embrace that leadership mantle in which God has for each and every one of you. And as you embrace it, declare this day that I am a leader and I stand for Christ.
And when I mean it, you remember Lady Douglas, you're looking for others for things that God can provide for you. In that place, you're releasing it to God. He said in that place, you need to release your anger too. So some of you guys are holding on to anger because of your past. The Lord says, release that to me today. Even to the point of where you've been holding people captive in your flesh. And the Lord says, surrender that to me today. And so in that place where you're surrendering, you're saying, Lord, you have it. It's not about you being right or wrong. It's not about what people done to you. The Lord basically said you need to know who your enemy is. You need to know who your enemy is. And so even in that place, come on, let's move into a place of forgiveness. Not only a forgiveness for the things that others have done to you, but self-forgiveness for the things you have done in retaliation. And the things that you have done as a result of your environment, your birthplace, and your father's house. And he says again, as you lift up your hands, come on, embrace what I have for you, and that's leadership. And in that place where you're embracing the leadership on the inside of you, you're making a declaration to the Lord. Lord, today, I stand for you and your righteousness. And I will move in according to faith into the things that you are calling for me to walk in. I will no longer shy away, run from, or fail to embrace the things you are calling me into. As your son, I embrace the sonship relationship that you have established in me. And as a leader, I will embrace the call that's on my life. Embrace it fully. Whether that call may be a pastor, minister, teacher, prophetess, evangelist, or whatever God is calling you to do. You're saying, today I'm embracing it. And today as you embrace it, you shun fear. Go ahead and shun fear. And come all the way in to what he's calling forth. Come all the way in to what he's calling forth. And if you're that new believer for the first time and you're hearing this message, know that you're forgiven. And so go ahead and accept the forgiveness that God has called you into today. He's not a God that goes back and, and holds you accountable or count the things that are done wrong. He is a God of forgiveness because he clearly understands where we've been. And in that, he embraces you as you are. He's not looking for you to fix things. He's just looking for you to surrender it to him. And he will take it from here. And if that's you, 
and you're in need of Christ's Savior, our Lord and Savior. As simple as saying, Lord, meet me where I'm at. I surrender my all to you. Have your way in me. And if you ask that, the simplest thing that you ask now is to fully invite him into your heart by asking him to be your Lord, to be your Savior, to be your God. And in that place where you ask him now, now receive him fully and accept him in fully. Now, I say to you, welcome to the kingdom. And God will instruct and guide and keep you in all his ways. Just continue to be among those who are like-minded, which is kingdom-minded. And as you continue to be like those who are like-minded and kingdom-minded, God will bring you into who you are and what you're called to do for him. But number one, know that you are a leader and that you're a leader for Christ. And so in that, we all agree and we simply embrace what God is saying to us today. And the way we embrace it, we all agree by saying amen, amen, and amen. So be it. If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this.